Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? <laughs> One or two of my friends have got Porsches. Gotta make amends. <laughs> That's enough of that, isn't it? If you've got your Bible, it's always good to have a Bible as a preacher. Because if you can't think of anything to say, you can always read some of it. And it's good, you know, when you go to pray, how are you doing? Okay. Good to see so many. You're different. Is it this Roger Whittaker thing? Ah, praise God. I'm going to leave old Durham town. No. I don't mind if you do. All ours do. Usually we've got our de- one of our deacons, her name's Heather, and basically she continually tells me, get on with it, is what she says. So if you've got your Bible with you, turn to the book of Genesis, which is it's close to the front, is that? And um, chapter 28, let's have a go at that, see how we get on. <clears throat> at the beginning of the year... Well, at the the end of last year, I was not having a very good time in terms of my own personal walk with God. I was struggling. And I know that you folk in Leeds probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But I I was wondering if I was still a Christian. I don't actually believe that I have the power to undo what God has done personally. It's difficult to get out of it once you're in. And how did we get in? Jesus did everything, and we said, yes, please. That was about as much as we did, wasn't it? We said, yes, please, by faith. And we're in. I believe that. And I'm not going to do a treatise this morning on whether or not you can lose your salvation. And I'll tell you this, if my salvation depends on me holding on to it, I'm on thin ice. But if it's based on his power to keep me, I'm in a strong position, however I'm feeling. And at the end of last year, I was not feeling great. I couldn't even, you know that my prayers, some folks say, it feels like they're not getting through the ceiling. Mine weren't getting higher higher than the tabletop. That's how it felt. And you know what the devil's like whispering? You finish, boy, now. Well, I'm not finished. Not by a long choke, and neither are you. Neither are you. It was a lie. Because every time the devil says anything, it's a lie, isn't it? When Jesus talks, it's the truth, because he is the truth. So it's good to listen to him, isn't it? But people came up to me at the back end of the year and say, What has God told you about the coming year? And my answer was, Leave me alone and go and ask him yourself. (laughs) Anyway, at the beginning of the year, God gave me two words. One was scepter, and the other was house. I want to talk to you a little bit about house today. Let's read the text. What did I say it was? Thank you. Beginning at verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. 
And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he'd put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Praise God. I want you to know that Jacob was not particularly a good boy. His name means con man. That's what we'd call him today. How would you like it if somebody... Hey, con man, come here. That's not very nice, is it? Supplanter. One who grasps the heel. That's what his name means. And we know that he swindled his brother out of a birthright and a blessing. And it came down the family line because his mother was a scheming person and so was his uncle. And the reason he came to this certain place was because he was on the run. It had a little bit of a thing with his brother and his brother decided they were going to kill him. I like the Bible because when it talks about the people there, it tells the truth about them. I sometimes think our family's a bit dysfunctional. My wife says, no wonder were you in it. (laughs) But then, the first family was dysfunctional. One brother killed the other one and went on the run. That was the first family. And so it's coming down, similar in this family. Jacob's on the run and he comes to this certain place. And he has a dream. And the dream is of a ladder set up on the earth, reaching to heaven, with angels ascending and descending. We've just read the text. I don't need to say it again, do I? But he woke up from his dream and he said, How awesome is this place? What made it awesome? It was not particularly its view You see, I come from a wonderful place called Derbyshire. It's like Yorkshire, except it's beautiful. You knew it was coming, didn't you, Pete? You knew that was coming. I've said it before, but it's true. I've said it to a photographer that was doing our Andrew's photographs on these very steps. Never spoke to me after that. (laughs) But there's some beautiful parts of Yorkshire, aren't there? Yes. And you... you, Yeah. 
And it's not a wharf, is it? <laughs> but um, you can come to a, a, a view. In fact, uh, there's one particular view coming over Beely Moor down into Rowsley. And every time Susan and I drive over there and we look at that panorama, until you actually get to the very brow of the hill, you can't see it. And as you do, it's wonderful there. And that's ever so often I'll say, that is just amazing. And you get it with different cloud patterns. It's even good on a rainy day. And I remember the first time we went over there together, I said, I'll tell you what, love. I wish I could paint. She said, I do. You could start on kitchen. <laughs> Is there any wonder I am like I am with people I live with? Tell you. But this was an awesome place, he said. It's awesome. That's a word that's used willy-nilly today. Awesome. My kids had one of them ice creams, you know, it's about a foot high. It takes about a gallon of ice cream, this thing, this cone. They said, whoa, Dad, these are awesome. And it annoyed me. I said, listen, God's awesome. Everything else isn't. <laughs> anyway, that's me. Why was it awesome? It was awesome because of the presence of God. In Exodus 33, Moses says, if, if you're not going with us, God, if you're not going with us, we don't want to go anywhere. Unless your presence is with us, what will make us distinct from any other people on the face of the earth? It's the presence, the manifest presence of God that made this place awesome. And God spoke in this dream at the top of this ladder and He spoke to this bad boy Jacob. A guy that had stolen, he'd cheated and he was on the run. And what did He say to him? This is the amazing nature of the mercy and grace of God. He actually confirms the covenant with the bad boy. Anybody here today feel like you've been a bad boy? Or girl? Sometimes. Not all the time, except John. <laughs> but I want you to know, His covenant stands. This marvelous new covenant that we've celebrated. I believe today that we can't break it. You know why we can't break it? Because we didn't make it. Jesus made it on our behalf. What kind of covenant is that? It's the same covenant. It's exactly the same covenant that Father, Son and Holy Ghost have been in for all eternity. I believe Abraham was a new covenant man, even though we read about him in the old covenant. How did he enter it? By faith. Same way that we enter into this covenant. Get the blessings of it. It's by faith. And here's God at the top of this ladder, confirming the covenant. Confirming it with this bad boy on the run. Why is that? Because you know, a little later on, he decides he's going to have a wrestling match. Jacob, it says in the text, he wrestled with a man until the breaking of the day. Well, that's what Jacob thought when he started out this wrestling match. But he discovered at the end of it, he wasn't wrestling with a man. He was wrestling with God. How many times are there issues in your life and you think you're wrestling against a man? 
You're wrestling against human circumstances. And when things pan out, actually, you've been wrestling with God. And He's been trying to shape you and bring you into an understanding of who you really are. You see, I believe with all my heart that Jacob was not made Israel that day. To God, he'd always been Israel. Even when he was the bad boy in the flesh... In the heart of God, he was always Israel. He was always a prince with God. And if you're in Christ this morning, and I suspect most of us are, you're a prince with God. No matter what anybody else tells you, no matter what the devil whispers in your ear, you're a prince with God. Jacob called that place the house of God. Bethel. The house of God. Surely God is in this place. And I didn't know it. The NIV says, I didn't recognize it. I was not aware of it. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This is an awesome place today. It's the first mention in Scripture of house of God. The first mention. When we get to the book of Haggai, you know, it's when I'm Litlands in the middle somewhere. Haggai, it's only two chapters. And that's where the people of God were saying... The time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. You're too busy with your own house, God said, to worry about my house. That's why things are going wrong with you. If you've got things in the right priority, if you concern yourself with my things, I would concern myself with your things. T.D. Jakes got an interesting thing and he said, when he goes into a restaurant and orders a meal, if they bring him what he did not order, he doesn't pay for it. Would you? Most of us Brits probably would, and then come out complaining. But in actual fact, you don't pay for it if that's not what you ordered. He said, but if they bring me what I ordered, and it's real good, I'll pay for it and leave a tip. And it says, when we bring God what he ordered, he'll pay for it, and he'll leave a tip. That's why it's good to get God's direction before you start, isn't it? Instead of doing something off your own bat and saying, Oh, by the way, Lord, will you bless this? <laughs> In the book of Haggai, towards the end, it talks about the house being the temple. House of God and temple are synonymous In Isaiah 66, verses 1 and 2, God is saying this, Where is the house that you will build for me? Has not my hand made all these things? This is the one to whom I will look, the one who trembles at my word. God's after a house where the awesomeness of God 
is present. That's the very thing that makes it awesome, the presence of God. Jesus, help us. We've celebrated today Jesus in the breaking of bread. And he inaugurated a new covenant. This is not just an add-on to the old covenant. This new covenant makes the old covenant obsolete and of no effect. And it's my understanding that the bulk of the church of Jesus Christ have got one foot in the Old Testament and one foot in the New. And I'm on a little bit of a crusade to get the body of Christ to live fully in the New Covenant, in this New Testament. The Old Testament in the Scriptures, it's still worth reading. It's still good to read. But we've got to read it in the light of us being in the New Covenant. I'll give you an example of this. I was in a prayer meeting back home. We have a, a prayer meeting. Three, three congregations, three churches come together every Monday night. We've been doing it for three years. It's amazing what's come out of it. But this, I was praying for somebody. They were out on the floor. Nobody thumped them. They were just, well, God might have done, but the Holy Ghost 4B2 would put them on the back. But I'd not finished praying for him. Sometimes folk can go on the floor and that's it. No, I've got stuff to pray over this bloke. But I heard someone come to the mic, and forgive me if I've told you this story, but this lady said, let the one who has clean hands and a pure heart come forth. Anyway, I'd prayed for one or two, and it was coming towards the end of the meeting, and I remembered this. I said, did somebody say that? Because it's from Psalm 24. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, that's not lifted up his soul to vanity, or sworn by what is false. I said, I was praying for someone, so I didn't see what... Who responded to that? Of course, nobody did. Why did nobody respond? Because they're in an old covenant mindset. In, under the old covenant, the only one that could respond to that was the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the new covenant, we're in Christ. It was a prophetic invitation for the whole church of Jesus Christ to rise up. Who's ever prayed this for a double portion of his spirit? What's double everything? about this one then? Oh Lord, would you rend heaven and come down? You prayed that one in prayer meetings? I have. Till I realized he did. He did. Notice what was at this place, Bethel. There was a ladder, wasn't there? And what was happening? There were angels ascending and descending with the Lord at the top, confirming this covenant. There was traffic going on. This was not just an ordinary place. It was an interface of heaven and earth. An interface of of heaven and earth. Got the picture so far? I want to do something with this, you see. Because that was back then. But then comes this God-man. 
And he says to Nathaniel, because Nathaniel was really impressed when he said, You know me, Rabbi? How do you know me? He said, I saw you when you were the, under the fig tree before Philip called you. Wow, he said, Wow, you are the king of Israel. He said, You're impressed with that, are you? Oh, you'll see greater things than that. You will see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. What Jacob saw was a prophetic vision of the Christ who would be the very interface between heaven and earth. Jesus said it himself. You'll see angels. There'll be traffic between me and heaven. In fact, in 1 Timothy 2 verse 5, it says there's one mediator between man and God. The man, Christ Jesus, is the very interface between heaven and earth. And the wonderful thing is, we're in Christ. Aren't we? And that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3.16, it says this. You, and it's plural, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Who is? The church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Collectively, we are the temple of the living God. We are the very place where there's supposed to be awesomeness. That sounds like Kung Fu Panda, doesn't it? <laughs> Get to see all these racy films, me. I've even seen Kung Fu Panda 2. <laughs> Fantastic, isn't it? Great stuff, yeah. In fact, we went to see the King's Speech, Susan and I. We're watching all these trailers. Thinking, oh, no, I like the sound of that. Ooh, that's a bit much, isn't it? And we realised the only films we ever get to see are these Disney things that are U-rated. So when we went out on the town, I'm telling you, we know how to live in Chesterfield. We went to see the King's Speech. We never get to see these racy films. I bet you do, don't you? I'm sorry, I might embarrass you. <laughs> we are the temple. The house of God. Aren't we? Aren't we? But we are the gate of heaven. This te listen, we're not just churchgoers, my friends. We're not. We're sons of the living God. There's more going on amongst us here if we'd only tap into it. Our problem is, most of the time, we're just like Jacob, that actually God is in this place, but we didn't know. We didn't know. My prayer today, if we don't get anything else, is that we'll become aware of Him. Be aware of Him. We are that community of God's people whereby when an unbeliever comes to us, what's going on here? What, 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 what you got, what's happening here? There's a sense of something going I'm a bit scared here. Wow. You know, after Pentecost, when the people, you know, how the Spirit of the Lord had come upon them, they began speaking in tongues. Peter starts preaching this sermon. About 3,000 people get saved that day. About 3,000. You know. About 3,000. 
What a day that was. It didn't stop there either. God had just lit the blue touch paper there. But I'll tell you what. It says of the people, an interesting thing, they could not stay away from this group of people, yet also they were scared to go anywhere near them. Wow, what about City Church, Leeds, being like that, where folk be like, okey-cokey, shall I? I shan't I? Why is that? Because there's an awesome fear, but there's a draw of the love and power of God. This is what God wants to transform us into being. This is our heritage. This is why we receive Holy Ghost. It's not so we can wear a badge saying, I can speak in tongues. It's a good thing to speak in tongues. Very good. When you speak in... I want to say, I I was in a prayer meeting, and you'll be pleased. In the middle of a prayer meeting, I used technology. Come on, Ben. I've got saved. (laughs) And I texted... Texted, mind. I texted, using both hands. I was knelt down at the time. It must have been Holy Spirit inspired. (laughs) But I wasn't wearing a hat. Anyway, I texted all my kids, and it was very simple. Speak in tongues more. I believe whenever you speak in tongues, you become spiritually sensitive, and you're more likely to exhibit the other gifts of the Spirit if you speak in tongues more. I believe it. I've, I've experienced that, and I believe it with all my heart. And so did Kenneth Hagin. Are you allowed to mention his name in Leeds? Folks say, hey, well, he taught some funny stuff, you know, Kenneth Hagin, you ought to be careful. I said, listen, a chap that preaches healing and wasn't sick, even with a head cold for 50 years, stands listening to, doesn't he? And I think so. Where am I going with this? I just want to, I'm so excited to be amongst you this morning. And I'm so glad that you've had the tables like this. And isn't it interesting, you get an invitation for a cup of coffee, nobody's been for one. Am I interrupting your coffee? I'm very sorry. let's take it a little bit further in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 round about verse 19 it says do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit whom you have received from God therefore honor God in your body So corporately, we are the house of God. Corporately, we are the gate of heaven. But I want to challenge you and encourage you today that you as an individual, if Christ is in you, you are a temple. You are a house. You are a gateway. You could be someone's tapping in point to the things of God. Our problem, we know it not. We're not aware of it. We're not aware sometimes of who we are and what we have. Tony Ling would say, most believers pray 
for what the Bible says they already have. And they try to become what the Bible says they already are. And we need to start living in the good of what we have and what we are and start praying for what we're not and what we don't have. Because if you're asking for what you already have, the only benefit you've got is the prayer itself. Just praying something. You've prayed. Woohoo! But when you're praying for something that hasn't yet appeared, it's not yet in operation, at least you've something to look for as a result of what you've prayed for. Is this making any sense? I want to tell you that someone in this city, somewhere, I believe lots of people are going to have a Jacob experience because of you. Because of you. You're going to be the very place and in you there'll be this ladder going on. All these ladders walking around. These interfaces between heaven and earth because you're people of two worlds. The Bible says <coughs> you've got to be born again. If you're going to see the kingdom, you've got to be born again. Literally, it's born from above. Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, talking about the believers, he said, these are no more of the world than I am of the world. You thought you're just an ordinary human being. No. The Corinthian church were rebuked by Paul by acting like mere men. Well, that's what we are, isn't it? No. You're born from above. You're spiritual people. You're children of God, sons of God. Hallelujah. We're more than just ordinary people. The Holy Ghost lives in us. There's a, there's a communion going on continually. Father, would you help us to become aware of your presence? Not just when we're sitting, encouraging one another, having breakfast together, when we're slapping one another on the back and say, praise God, what a child of God you are. But in the workplace, in the place of leisure, on holiday, at the doctor's surgery, wherever we find ourselves, in schools, colleges, wherever, on the street corners, let there be an awareness that the living God lives in us and is wanting to leak out all over the place so people can have a Jacob moment. Oh, what did he do in that place? He placed his head on a rock, didn't he? The rock is a reference to Christ, isn't it? It talks about that rock followed them. And that rock was Christ. You see, when we put our head on the finished work of Christ, you know what happens? Heavens open up. When we get our minds settled on what He's already accomplished, open heaven for us. Do you know when Jesus was baptized in Jordan, it says heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon Him like a dove. You look from that point on right through the Scriptures, see if you can find a place where those heavens ever closed. They never closed. Jesus opened it up. Why did He open it up? So we could all benefit from this ongoing communication, this ongoing transportation, stuff from heaven coming to earth to transform the earth. How? Through you and me. Wow, what a privilege. If I were God, I'd thought, crikey, not that lot. Numbskulls, a lot of them. Particularly that bloke preaching this morning. Crikey, how did I ever get him on board? 
But we didn't pick us. He did. Didn't he? But he knew who he was going to put inside us. You know, the Holy Spirit, we refer to him as the third person of the Trinity, don't we? But he's not like the third best bit of God. <laughs> but that's how we view him. He is fully God. He's all of God. You know, we, how about singing a song? King of kings. Majesty. God of heaven. Where? Living in me. I tell you, somebody's going to get blessed in this city because of you people. Whew. Someone's going to get an introduction to this God that they do not know. But they will know. Why is that? Because of this flow. Now then, let me just introduce you to a scripture. It's Colossians 1. I think it's 26, 27, somewhere around there. I mean, I'll carry this around. It's just if somebody gets a bit frisky, you can help them, can't you? <laughs> but it says this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus said in his high priestly prayer of John 17, listen to this for a minute, the glory that you have given to me, Father, I have given to them. He said he'd given it to us. What has he given to us? His glory. So if Christ in you and me is the hope of glory, who's that hope for? Romans 8, around about 24, somewhere around there, it says, who hopes for what he already has? Who hopes for what he already has? Answer, nobody does. You hope for what's not ready manifested. Well, am I trying to tell you then that this hope of glory is not for us? No. Because I believe like salvation, the moment you come to Christ, you're fully saved. And when we go to meet him, we'll be saved. And in the interim, as we're getting more like him, we're being saved. In other words, justification, sanctification and glorification. So there's gonna, there is a glory to come. Amen. And there's a glory that we're living in now. But you see, the hope of glory, I, I'm just putting this to you for you to consider. The hope of glory is hope of glory for somebody else. As they tap into you and what's flowing through you as a Bethel, a house of God, ooh, a gateway of heaven, they could just actually come into Christ and receive the glory that is already given. I've got some notes down here somewhere. Oh, pound of tomatoes. Half a cucumber. <laughs> Some years ago, I was privileged to listen to a man called Derek Brown. Derek Brown is an apostle, and he leads the churches 
out of Aldershot, used to be known as the King's Churches. Now, I've not heard him for a while, so things may have changed. Things do change. And uh, he told a story about coming to the meeting on the Sunday, ready to preach. And as he walked in, and the musicians were doing their stuff and leading people in praise and worship, <coughs> it, was, it was a short time of praise and worship. And then the Lord said to him, I don't want you to preach any of that this morning. I don't know if the Lord said, I've heard it before. <laughs> I don't know. But he told him not to preach it. He said, what I want you to do, as the chairs were laid out like this, like you, you had them before, he said, I want you to start at this end and tell the people, prophesy, one after another. He said, three quarters of the congregation went pale at this point. And he said to him, I don't care what you say. Just prophesy. You can even say Jesus is Lord if you like. Which is true, isn't it? He is. He is Lord. So they started. They went down here. Then back along the next row. And then on that row. And they'd only gone about three or four rows when this chap near the back ran out. So Derek said, keep going. So they kept prophesying. And he went and found this chap, and this chap was on all fours like this, sobbing his heart out. Derek said, what on earth's the matter? He said, I knew, I just knew, I knew this morning when, when that happened, I, I'd get found out. He said, because I don't know how to do any of that. He said, I don't know anything about all this Christianity stuff, I can't do it. Why? I don't. Derek says, don't you know Jesus? He said, no. He said, would you like to? Oh, yes, please. So I led him to Christ on all fours. Prayed for him. A minute later, this man's filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. Right? After the meeting, he went home with this man. This man, landlord of a pub. And so I don't know what my wife's going to think now when I tell her this. What am I going to say to her? So Derek says, why don't you tell her the truth? See what happens. He said, it's all right for you to say. It'll about kill me. So I went to the pub. They'd not opened. Anyway, found her. He says, now, love, I've got something to tell you. You know how husbands are when they... <laughs> he come with a bunch of flowers from garage. <laughs> That's always a mark of something's not, <laughs> not as it should be. Isn't it? Come on, fellas, you've all... <laughs> Can't be just me that's done something like that. <laughs> Thank you, sir. It's good not to be alone, isn't it? Hallelujah. Good or bad, it's good to have friends. <laughs> so he's there, he says, Lord, I went to this bloke's church today. He still thought the church was a building. I mean, none of us would even consider that, would we? But <laughs> and he said, this is what happened. And he told her how he'd been frightened when they were all prophesying and he knelt down as he said and gave his life to Jesus was filled with the spirit and began speaking in other tongues he just said a language he didn't know what it was and his wife just took him by the hand didn't say a word and she went into what the I mean none of you know this but there are certain rooms in these public houses called snugs I can see how you're all wondering what I'm talking about here I've been told this. <laughs> and uh, 
she went into this little place called the Snug and sat him down at the side of her. And she said, this morning, 12 o'clock, I sat here, I felt at my wit's end, and I asked Jesus to come and help me. And I began to speak in a language I'd never learned. And he said, what time was it? 12 o'clock. It was exactly the same time that he, in the church meeting, had come to Christ. And then Derek Brown remembered this from 1 Corinthians 14. If you're all prophesying together and an unlearned or ungifted man comes in, will he not be convicted of all the secrets of his heart laid bare and he calls out, truly God is amongst you. This is not a figment of imagination. This is genuine, real possibility. That man had a Jacob moment. He realized God was in that place. That's when they were collectively. But I'm just challenging us and encouraging us to realize that the Christ is in every one of you. If you love Jesus, he's in you. You are that interface. Christ Jesus in you, if you like, is the interface, the ladder. There's angelic stuff going on all around us, but most of the time we're not aware of it. I want you to become aware of it because I'll tell you what, around this city, there's going to be pockets of ladders reaching from heaven to, from earth to heaven. Isn't It's interesting where the ladder was set up. He said it was set up on the earth, not in heaven, on the earth. And we're on the earth, aren't we? Well, I think we are. So this is full, isn't it? I tell you, you're not just churchgoers, folks. Your gates of heaven. Can you believe it this morning? Gates of heaven. But I'm just an ordinary bloke. Yeah, I know. But in that ordinariness, set up on the earth, as it were, God has put this great potential. So when I started looking at the word house, it took on a whole new meaning for me. That my home, where I live, 20 College York Close Hasland in Chesterfield, 16 houses on our street, that's all. But there's a Bethel in the middle of it. In the middle of it, there's a Bethel. Your homes can be Bethel's. What's that about? You being a great person? Well, I'm sure you are. But it's not dependent upon your ability. It's dependent upon who you are in contact with. His name is Jesus. And His Spirit lives in you. Mm. Would you do me the honor of lifting your hands, please? We're going to pray this in. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so wonderful. I want to thank you that you're the God who has a throne. But it's not a throne of judgment. It's a throne of grace. Your word says that we may find 
where we receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. We have a great need this morning, a great need of spiritual awareness. We want to know the presence of the Christ within us continually. We want to be aware of the angelic traffic in us and around us when we're gathered together, when we're on our own. We want to, we want to be aware today. We want to be aware today of being houses of God. Hallelujah. Temples of the Holy Ghost. We want to be the interface for somebody. Father, we pray. I pray today, Lord, that of the folk here that have got hands raised, let this coming month, let this coming month be for every single person a time when a Jacob comes across their path. Hallelujah. When they come across a Jacob who's looking for something, he might be a bad boy on the run, but God's not forgotten him. The covenant's still for him. And we pray for, Father, for that flow, flow of heaven to earth through each one of us that will touch a Jacob and cause him to be transformed. Hallelujah. Father, help us to rest our minds on the completed work of Christ so that we might know who we truly are and what we truly have. That we won't go looking for those things that are already ours, but we'd live in the good of them. Oh, Father, we're asking, open our spiritual eyes and give us a mind to walk in the good of everything we discover. In Jesus' name. Amen. There we go. That's a word that we don't want to... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? We, 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 we just need to leave that out, don't we? Yeah? Um, very practically, if you want to listen to that word again, it's going to be on the website. You know the address by now, citychurchleads.net. Um, just a really powerful word. Honest, simple. You know? Each and every one of us is is a Bethel, is a, if we're a true believer, we're a, we're a connection to God. And I, and I love the way that that word just fits so wonderfully with our direction that we're on at the moment, which is our, our life groups connecting geographically to our neighborhoods. And that when we come together, we're not coming together for a cozy time to do a bit of Bible study, but that is good, and that's one of our seven principles. But we're acknowledging that we're powerful in those streets and in those places, yeah? And our prayers, whatever we pray about our local areas, God will answer, God will respond to. Things will happen. God is sending us on a wonderful journey, a journey that he started, the vision that is his. And when you hear kind of a word like that from God, you, I just get encouraged. And, and just want to see more of that. So I'm going to ask us to stand once again. And we're going to do something that Pete started when he came last. And we're going to pray the blessing. We've been doing this, Pete, pretty much every week. And I, I believe that we're seeing the fruit of it. People's houses are being sold. People are getting employed. People are getting jobs. There are still things, there are still things that are happening for folk. But we're going to believe, aren't we, guys? And we're going to celebrate and worship him even in the, amongst some of those bad things or seemingly bad things that happens. So raise your hands, receive, be ready to receive the blessing from God right now. And there is a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to each and every one of you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we give God just a big round of applause? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I don't know where we go from there, really. Just remember the words. Don't forget that you are a temple of God. You are a house of God. You are a connection to heaven. The angelic coming forth and going back. You are that very very thing on this earth right now. So let's not forget that. Let's not just go into the next week because it's another week through whatever we're going through. But just remember the word from today and be encouraged by that. Okay, guys, bless you. Um, There might be a few teas and coffees left. Please eat some of the food if you haven't. Have a great time at Life Group. If you're not part of a Life Group, if I can just have everyone's attention now, just for just a moment longer. If you're not part of a Life Group or if you're a visitor here this morning and you want to know what these Life Groups are, come and talk to me. And uh, I'll explain what they are. Or if you already know what they are and you're not yet part of a life group, again, please come and talk to me. It's vital that each and every one of us become part of a life group somewhere in this city. And so we can be that, that house as well, that very practical, real house on those streets. So come and see me. But have a blessed time in your life groups. It's bank holiday tomorrow. Um, there's no prayer this week. Um, for those that are part of the leadership forum, there is a leadership forum meeting on Wednesday. But for everybody else... Just have a great week, enjoy your life groups, and be blessed. Okay. Hey.